Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is the Pot of the Purpose Keynote Network, and this is the show, Self-Expressions, and I am your host, Brother Robert Pop-Pop Hudson. Welcome and hello, everyone, and uh, thanks to, I thank everyone for joining us for the 630th episode of Purpose Keynote Network. And uh, once again, this is the show, Self-Expressions, and I am your host, Brother Robert Pop-Pop Hudson. Uh, tonight, uh, I want to go over a couple things, and uh, one of the, the, you know, the topic of tonight's show is Naughty by Nature or Nurture. A lot of times uh, I read a lot of different publications and sometimes I get ideas and sometimes, uh, you know, for some reason I'm deep in thought or get or lost in thought of some of the concepts and ideas that I read. And one of the uh, publications, uh, which was Psychology Today, they were talking about uh, nature versus nurture. And there was a lot of different elements, and there's a lot of different things that I thought of as I started reading the article. Uh, they even went through um, the tendencies of violence, uh, which intrigued me because right now it seems like we're having uh, a lot of violence uh, going on, uh, not just in the city, but around the country. And one of the, the notions that they had there was uh, the tendency was, you know, um, after the full moon, uh the, the moon goes in cycles, and he noticed that when the moon goes in cycles in certain places, uh, certain acts of violence seem to increase. Checking out this subject, uh, I was like, wow. And, you know, to me, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. But as far as everything I've read, as far as uh, nature versus nurture, uh, which one rules out? And it seems to be a fine line where, you know, in certain instances where if someone had certain opportunities, would they still be able to uh, achieve uh, the same amount of uh, opportunities and success they had in different elements? And when I, as I started reading that, I decided, I decided to say, hey, you know what, um, let me put a lot of thought into this and see what, where I can go at and these elements that they're presenting as far as the the cycles and, and different um attitudes and uh and, and different, you know, functions that people, you know, generally if, if given an opportunity in a controlled substance where you can actually really scientifically, you know, break it down, is there any fact or is there any weight behind, you know, what they're saying? Uh some of the scriptures uh that I want to go over tonight. Uh, before we go any further, is uh, Ephesians uh, chapter six, verse four, uh, Psalms one forty four, verse twelve, and also Psalms one forty five, verse five. Uh, if you're in there and you want to, you know, if you're out there and you want to join the conversation, uh, phone number to reach us is three one nine five two seven six zero nine one, and you can press one and we'll get you into the conversation. But right now. Uh, like I said, the subject is naughty by nature or nurture. And, you know, like I said, as I was reading psychology today, you know, it, they had a lot of different variations of uh, 
why you know the whys and hows in different circumstances. Uh, so there's three things that come to mind, and uh, I'll, I'll break them down. It's uh, one is the tiger that went crazy. Um, I'll go over the flight of the bumblebee and where does eleven come from. There's three different factors that I had. Like I said, I put some thought into it, and uh, you know, bear with me, everybody. And um, I do have some scriptures to go along with some of these thoughts, so we can go in, you know, together. And you know, if you want to put your input, like I said, uh, you know, just hit one, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll we'll go ahead and let me just go into the um, to the first uh, little breakdown I have. <clears throat> now, question: Where does the number eleven come from? And the reason why I said that is because you know the possibilities. The possibilities in this universe are vast, and sometimes, you know, right before our very eyes, there seems to be something out of the place, but we still accept it. So, as equations go, after after the number twenty comes twenty one, and after the number thirty comes thirty one, and then after forty comes forty one. So after ten, shouldn't it be twenty one? But as you know, but but as you know, as before. So so why is the number eleven placed there? You know, and and I did some research in the 1700s. Uh, they say it was a German and a Swiss professor, and they concluded that the number eleven, it would be you know, it would be messed up in translation if you were to instead of place numbers out, if you were actually write it out, that the number eleven, if you put if you put it as one one, it would be misinterpreted. And it would be it would confuse everybody. So they decided to call it the number eleven. And when they decided to do that, they made an you know a decision that was not backed up by everyone. And what happened is that eventually they eventually you know they 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 ruled out. They outlasted the ones that did not want to accept the change. A lot of people said the change did not make any sense, but to them. It made perfect sense if you were writing something out, and they were in that time. Uh, writers at that time, they love writing. Uh, you would hear about, you know, um, all you know, all these letters, uh, you know, the letter to to a pope or a letter to a king, and they were fascinated with, with writing. And one of the things that they would do is they would, if possible, write out every possible word they could in a letter. And uh, these these guys seem to, you know, for for some reason, they came up with the idea that, you know, we should call, you know, the, the number 11, 11. And when they did that, they actually, um, is that once, you know, a majority accepts something, that's just the way it is. And it seems that, you know, sometimes when, when we have a majority that overrules a minority, Sometimes the minority will be, you know, totally, you know, excused and wiped out of, you know, what, you know, what they were fighting for, or what, you know, what the, their, you know, what they were they holding out for that was a little bit different, that everyone just wanted to just eradicate wherever they had it, wherever you thought. You know, um, I don't have any names of the, you know, professors, but this was in the 1700s. And you know, from from what I gather, um, they just knew it was just a bunch of professors that were German and Swiss, and they just really wanted to have their eyes take hold, their ideas take hold, and where they just basically changed everybody's you know uh, speech of the number eleven 
where they would call it number 11. And they figured that, it, you know, for the benefit of them or for, for the masses, that it would be better if that number was just called 11. And it kind of, you know, to me, it, it always, you know, when when I was in school and you really learning numbers, and it always dawned on me, like, why is 11 called 11? And, you know, like I said, when you go to 20, you see 21, 30, 31, and, and so on and so on. And you're like, why wasn't it never called 21? And, but at one point it was. And um, now we'll talk to you about something else. We're going to move on um, from, from numbers. And I'm going to go into um, the flight of the bumblebee. And I'm going to be on this subject for a little while, so uh, just, you know, bear with me hanging there. And if you want to comment on anything, like, you know, I'll give out the number later on. But uh, for right now, we're going to go into Psalms 145, Chapter 15. Uh, no, oops, uh, 145, verse 5. And I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, they speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. And that's Psalms 145, verse 5. You know, the bumblebee is, you know, to scientists, is the most baffling challenge for them to explain you know, how is, it, how is the bumblebee able to fly? You know, it was believed at one time that the bee simply flapped its wings so fast that it could, you know, it could take flight. <clears throat> uh, that didn't hold too much water because, as you know, um, if me or you were to flap our arms as fast as we can, even if we could do it at incredible speeds, we still would not be able to take flight. You know, um, things that I, I, that I like about the, the you know, the, the bumblebee, and a lot of people still are, are right now today are still kind of come up with the concept and theory of how a bumblebee is able to fly. A lot of people saying, well, the bumblebee is not actually, you know, some scientists have said that the bumblebee is actually not flying, that the bumblebee is actually um, using gravity to, you know, it's a whole different, a lot of different beliefs. But the, the one thing that I said, you know, that I like about the bumblebee is that it can't be explained. You know, miracles happen every day, and no one's questioning a miracle, but we're questioning the flight of a bumblebee. But I believe that the bumblebee represents the miracles that happen every day. And sometimes for people, seeing is believing. So when you see a bumblebee, you know, you're witnessing a miracle, and um it just makes you stand back and say, you know, what an amazing God we have where he has, you know, he has created something that scientists can't explain, but every day we see it and it's, it's, we see it flying. We see it not only is it, uh, you know, not, not only is it, um, you know, uh, I, I well, I hate to say a bug, you know, it's a bug. I don't know how to, it's an insect. Okay. Um so we see this insect flying around, and not only is this is it can't be explained how it flies, but it actually, you know, pollinates you know plants and things like that. Produces honey, you know, if it's a honeybee, and it is it is an example of, you know, what had, what God has has given us as far as examples 
far as us being observant, uh, being observant and just, you know, um, looking at the wonderful creations that he has created. Just by looking at it, you, you, you know, the bumblebee, you couldn't understand, you wouldn't understand why even a scientist would say it's impossible for that bee to fly. When for one, the scientists had to see that bee fly, and for two, why is he just questioning the very nature of that bee? You know, one of the things I would be wondering, you know, if I was a scientist, I would say, well, well how is that bee able to, pop, you know, pollinate flower after flower after flower? How is that bee able to produce honey? Those would be my questions. I wouldn't be questioning the flight because I'm already witnessing. I'm already seeing that bee in flight, but yet scientists, want to go and take a step further. They want to know, you know, beyond what they already see. They see that the bee is flying. And sometimes I think that maybe scientists, they may be wondering, if that bee can fly and it seems like it's impossible that bee is flying, why can't I fly? And a lot of times we ask ourselves the questions, why can't I do this or why can't I do that? And it's pretty simple. You know, God has, has a plan for everybody. He has, he has mapped out. He, he, is, he is the author and finisher. He has everything mapped out and ruled out. When you ask yourself and you're wondering why and why can't you do this and why can't you do that, don't, 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 don't forget that you have a, a purpose. When you wander away from that purpose, it takes you longer for when you – when you want, you know, when you wander away from your purpose, it'll take you longer to to find, you know, your niche and what your purpose is. You know, simply when you're you're not when you're not fully, you know, um, in your element of obedience and of of learning and of uh, steadfast. Yes, you do have you have the possibility of wandering away from you know, where he has, has intended for you to go. You know, one of the things, you know, we could all we can always do is also, you know, ask God to guide us and make sure that uh we're still on the path of where we need to be. You know, questioning, you know, why is this why does this person, you know, have this and have that? I don't have anything. You know, questioning some things, you know, we understand Sometimes there's a difference between, you know, there there's a, a, a real reason for, for asking that question of you and somebody else. You know, you're competing for a, for a job or a position on the job, and, you know, for somebody that does not seem to have as much, you know, talent as yourself or, you know, someone else seems to uh, just possibly, you know, get the job for one reason or another. For one, um you know, even though it, it, it you know it has, ha- it has happened on some jobs at certain times, sometimes you have to open yourself up to the possibility that maybe this person has something or can do something uniquely different that I can do, and that's why that person has that position. Sometimes we cannot wrap our minds around just the you know the simplest possibilities as, you know, like scientists are doing with the bumblebee. Why is, he, why is that bumblebee flying? And you say to yourself, why does this person, why does this person get promoted over me? In everyday lives, there are a lot of things that go on that we're not able to see. 
one of the things that we do uh, is that we have faith. And we have faith, and the reason why we have faith is because, you know, when a lot of people get up in the morning and if they drive to work, you know, some people just hop in that car, start it up, go to work and come home and have no thought about it. Those are the people that have, I say, blind faith. Uh, they don't know it, but they do because there was no there was no indication when that person got up. There was no confirmation with that person that lets them know that they're going to get in that car, they're going to get to work without incident, and when they come home, they're going to come home the same way, without incident. They have blind faith. And I'm not saying, you know, something's wrong, anything's wrong with that. But with that faith, you know, someone that has little faith in someone to be would come out, check the tires, open the hood, check the oil, you know, shut it, check the gas level, you know, start the car, and then, you know, listen to the traffic and making sure there's no, no, uh, nothing to block his route on the way, on the way to work. That is somebody that doesn't have a lot of faith in a vehicle, which, you know, and that's why, you know, where we go to, you know, uh, nature versus nurture. Learning to have faith and just having blind faith, that's something that we can relax into. And also, you know, having some people having the maturity to know that Having blind faith is not everything. So we have so here we have two different people. One that has blind faith and one person that has little faith and knows, you know, the face of reality because at some point one of these two people the one I'm talking about, they experience an accident along work. Or they you know, they, they may have a, a blown tire or they, you know, uh you know, the car may overheat on the way to work. The one with the, the blind face and it happens, they will be able to handle it better than the one that has little faith. Because the one that will have blind faith will probably have a number to trip away. Where they're more prepared to deal with, you know, hey, my my car overheated. Uh, let me pull over the side of the road and I'll call trip away and wait till them to get here and check it out. The guy that um, with little faith, before he would call AAA, he would uh, pull over to the side of the road and he'll probably try to uh, diagnose the problem himself because the amount of faith he has, he, he does not have faith to reach out for, for someone. First, he's going to see if he can diagnose and fix the problem like scientists do. Yet still, this guy is not you know, he may be a little bit hands-on, but if he was a mechanic, you know, and he checked his car before he left, he wouldn't be facing that problem. So most, most likely, you know, by the time he'll, it'll be a half hour to 40 minutes before he'll call AAA. A lot of things that we do is it's a learn behavior. It's something we learn, whether we're raised that way or, you know, or something we just pick up in life and we start to incorporate it in our lifestyles. 
it's the same thing, learn, learning learning when to call on, you know, God, learning to call on Jesus. Are you calling on him on the right time? Are you calling him for no reason? And then all of a sudden when you really need him, you know, you're, you're afraid to you're afraid to, to pray. You wasn't afraid afraid to pray and ask, you know, hit the lottery. You wasn't afraid to ask for, you know, for, you know, your basketball team to win or your football team to win. And when it comes time for something that you actually need, you're, you're afraid to ask for that. You know, um, there's, you know, sometimes we learn some things and when, you know, when you, when you learn them, and I'm just going to just pause on the Bumblebee thing because something happened to me at, um, at work this week. And when it, well, well, all right, I'll put it, I'll break it down to you real quick. Uh, this is what happened last week. I was asked to take a drug test. Um, I had no problem with it. I know we have random drug tests. Uh, when I was driven to the uh, facility to take the drug test, uh, they have, uh, you know, boxes where you check off at. Um, all I had to do was sign the bottom, sign in for, um, you know, the, the receipt for my samples. On the top it says, you know, uh, reason for drug tests. Uh, on the box it says random. Uh, it says uh, new hire, uh, accident, and, you know, um, that what the other box was, but it was something as far as uh, suspicion of drug uses. I think that was, that's what it was. So that box was checked off. <clears throat> uh so, you know, I was kind of curious, and I was like, wow, this is not a random drug test. And I was like, why are they curious of, um, if I'm using drugs? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, maybe I haven't demonstrated, you know, to my, to my eyesight and to my knowledge, I haven't demonstrated that I have um, any indication of me using any kind of drugs or anything. Uh, when I get back, um, I noticed that uh, the machine I was using it was uh looked like somebody went through it, and I asked somebody, and they said, "Oh, it was a little dirty. We, you know, we somebody was cleaning it up." And I was like, "Okay." So I noticed as I was working um, a couple of days after that. Um, as I work, I, I do have a habit of um, I'll get it out of the way. I have a habit of uh, when I'm in the machine, I'll bend down and uh, I pick my nose. And uh, sometimes I have a tissue, sometimes I don't. Uh, sometimes I'll be all the way up in that bad boy. And uh, I think at some point, uh, because when I when I got up from my position where I was in the machine, um, I noticed that uh, my boss was uh, looking at me, and I noticed from another spot that someone else was looking at me. So I just continued to go ahead and work on, and then I had the, the urge to, you know, uh, pick my nose again. So I went over, and I, I bent down in the machine, and, uh, you know, like I said, I, you know, I, listen, habit that I have, you know, I, I, you know, I pick my nose sometimes. You know, some people have other bad habits, but I like to try to do that in privacy. So, yes, I, you know, so I bent down and, you know, pick my nose until, you know, I got that bad boy out of there. And, you know, when I bent back up, this time I had my boss walking toward me. 
and um, he kind of asked me to shut the machine down, and I shut the machine down, and, you know, before I knew it, you know, uh, the uh, plant manager came around, and he went to the machine, and he was looking around. I'm like, what, what is going on? He, he asked me, what are you doing? Automatically, I was, uh, you know, I was had my defenses up, and I was kind of angry. For one, why are you so worried about what am I doing? And, you know, and I was, whatever I was doing, I was trying to do it in privacy. I wasn't trying to be, you know, like ignorant. And, you know, the bottom line is, you know, he asked me, he said, well, we don't know what you're doing. We think you're using drugs. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, why are you bending down over there? And I was like, listen, it's not really anybody's business, but you know what? I'm picking my nose. And he's looking at me like, Oh, yeah, right, yeah, you're picking your nose. I was like, yeah, I was picking my nose. And he goes, oh, really? And I said, yes, really. And, you know, we walked away, and I went back to work. But I thought about that. I said, all this, I said, I had to take a drug test because I was picking my nose, and they really didn't know what I was doing, and they wanted to know what I was doing. And then when I gave them the answer, they weren't even satisfied. And I was like, you know, I, you know, to me, I was like, you know, if that's what I was doing and I didn't want to tell anybody, you know, what right do they have to, you know, I mean, they, I am on their property. I am using their machines. I do understand that they, you know, if they have some kind of suspicion, yes. And as far as I'm concerned, when I took the drug test and you know, I passed the drug test, you know, they could have asked me a different way instead of, you know, peeking and, you know, harboring over me and trying to find out what am, I, what am I doing. So what if I'm picking my nose, you know, or so what, you know, I'm, you know, I'm bending over. I'm not endangering anybody. You know, uh, we all wear safety glasses, so even, God forbid, if I just happen to just not, you know, have a napkin or whatever and I pluck it somewhere, I'm not going to put nobody's eye out. In the same sense, you know, I was kind of, kind of pissed off a little bit that, you know, basically I had to take a drug test because they couldn't figure out what I was doing. And then all in all, you know, um, I was, I I feel as though, you know, uh, in most cases telling somebody I was picking my nose, I would be embarrassed to do that. But I was like, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm picking my nose. It's not like I put my finger in somebody else's nose or, you know, I'm, you know, I'm harming anybody. And that, you know, that's, you know, got me, you know, kind of, kind of peeved off that I had to take a, you know, a drug test because I was picking my nose and they didn't know I was, what I was doing. Um, as, you know, as always, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us for the 630th episode of Purpose Kingdom Network. Uh, appreciate your listenership, whether you're online or via phone. If you're online and you want to call in and comment on the show, it's 319-527-6091. You can press 1 to comment. And, you know, when I just incorporated that, you know, with the uh, the flight of the Bumblebee, uh, it, it kind of just, t- it just touched me because, you know, like I was saying, how the scientists cannot understand it. They still are constantly trying to figure out how the Bumblebee is flying. You know, um, you know with my job, it's like sometimes... They have to know everything, 
You know, if I say if I'm taking a day off, you know, the next thing is what for? And I says, well, I'm, you know, if I were to follow up and say, hey, I'm taking a, my, you know, a personal time off day. And they say, what for? You know, I say, hey, if this is my personal time off, you know, why are you asking me what am I doing on my day off? You know, what's the purpose? Are you trying to convince me to do something else, or are you trying to say, hey, can you take another day off? Or, well, we really need you for that day. Is there any, any way you can, you know, uh, postpone your plans or anything like that? But, the, you know, they're implying that um, because you employ me and that if I'm requesting a day off that you have a right to know what I'm doing, um, that, like I said, that rubs me the wrong way. Um, a lot of things that, you know, corporate, you know, corporate businesses, how they operate and what they do, yes, they don't see eye to eye with, you know, their employees. Uh, this is one of the many things that um, I have a problem with corporations when they uh, seem to uh, want to butt into your lives. You know, I understand that, you know, I appreciate the paycheck and, and things of that nature, but uh, I'm also, you know, just because you're giving me a paycheck, I'm also, you know, you're also profiting from my work, so it shouldn't go any further than that. You know, if you're, you know, if you think that you're, you know, whatever you're inquisitive on as far as, you know, what what am I doing on my, my time off, um, I, I feel as though that's drawing a line. And like I said, appreciate the paycheck and all that, but uh, I am doing work for you. You are profiting from it. If I'm requesting time off, um, what is what is your reason for asking me what am I doing that day off? If it's a person, if it's personal time off, that means it's personal. Whether I'm going to the doctors, whether I just want to sit home and watch cartoons, or whether I just want to attend a function, whatever I'm doing on my day off, I believe uh, that's my business. Uh, and that's just, you know, from my idea, I'm just going to leave it at that. Or my personal note, as far as um, work, and like I said, that's how I got to that that conclusion when I when I tied it into the uh, the scientists. This uh, brought to mind that notion of, of what happened, you know, uh, culminating through the two things, the drug test and me requesting the day off just kind of, you know, had me feeling that they were meddling too much into what I was doing. Uh, totally understand, you know, the drug testing, but the, the further questioning and then the questioning for, for time off um, kind of got me, you know, twisted the, the wrong way. But uh, let me get back to uh, to the to the Bumblebee. And, um, like I said, it, it truly represents, you know, um, amazing guy we have as far as, you know, some of the things he creates. And some of the, the the wonders miracles that we can witness every day. One of the things is uh, that bumblebee that's uh, actually flying around, pollinating uh, flowers, and uh, also, you know, making honey. And uh, so I'm going to go to um, one of the other things I was going to talk about: uh, tiger that went crazy. And so, excuse me. And so, before I go into that, we're going to go uh, cover Romans uh, one, uh, chapter one, verse twenty. 
in uh, Romans 1, verse 20. Well, since the creation of the, of the world, God's invisible quantities, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And uh, right there in the word of uh, Romans, uh, verse 20, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, uh, we got it there. And, you know, um, I'm going to go into uh, the tiger that went crazy. And this is something that uh, I've, I've read uh, several years ago. And when I read it, I'm, I'm still shocked that it's, it's pretty much saying the same thing. It's basically saying the tiger went crazy. So, you know, man has always had a, a craving to defy nature and conquer all the species on the planet. You know, years ago there were, you know, was a performer by the name of Six Feet of Roy. And uh, one of the performers, I believe, was uh, which was Roy, uh, would put his head inside the tiger's mouth and, you know, um, you know he'll, he'll pull it out. And for some reason, I don't know what was so amazing about the, you know, the, the whole act. And, you know, they always had, um, it was, there was a Vegas style show and they would uh, have uh, all kinds of things going on with animals. And that was one of them. So one day the tiger, you know, decided to, uh, while he had his head in his mouth, uh, when, the, when the tiger bit him and uh, the tiger you know, try to drag him away into a corner and I guess continue to maul him. But um, when they got, you know, when they got him away from the tiger and a lot of people kept saying, you know, um, wow, the tiger went crazy. Uh, the tiger, oh man, the tiger wasn't supposed to do that. The tiger, you know, bit him and drug him off. And that tiger was well trained. That tiger was trained since it was a cub and we don't know what happened. And he said, the tiger just went crazy. Well, that's not how I see it. And I'm saying we're in the notion that somebody to somebody that that tiger went crazy. You know, that tiger went tiger. That tiger didn't go crazy. That tiger was a tiger and he just did what tigers do. I don't know why they keep putting the notion the tiger went crazy. The tiger went crazy. The tiger just went tiger on him. And, you know, that's that was the end of that. But, you know, it just, you know, baffles me that how they keep saying that the tiger went crazy. You know, there's a, you know, one one group of people I like to, you know, give a big up to is PETA. And um, I really don't like some of the things they do, like uh, throw uh, paint on, uh, you know, celebrities that wear fur and stuff like that. I think that's going a little bit too far. Uh, you know, some of the things and some of the, uh, of the things they, they do to champ, you know, champion for animals, is uh, one of the, the reasons why you'll probably never see another Ringlings and Barman Billy Circus because the, the, the treatment they treat the animals, how they whip and shock, you know, the animals so badly uh, so that those animals behave the way they want them to behave. Um, it, it is not, you know, it's, it's not a, a pretty sight as how they train these animals. You know, um the way they, they treat those animals is so inhumane. Uh, you know, if you, you know, and I never really got the whole theme of circuses. You know, um, the only amusing thing I thought about 
you know, as far as circuses was, you know, the 20 or 30 clowns to get into the one little car or whatever. Uh, but other than that, you know, I never was, was uh, you know, the seal that would play uh, volleyball or the, the elephants that would stand on, you know, one another's back or whatever. Uh, to me, the whole theme of circuses, you know, and, and the animal thing, I, I didn't really understand. The people element, um, I was more entertained by than anything that, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the animals did. And I was really, you know, why would you have to involve the animals and just sort of do possibly insane things that they would never do in nature? And just because they're on the tent, you think that um, we would really, you know, really believe that, wow, this is, oh, look at those animals. It's not like uh, those animals are, are, are uh, how can I put this without, I'm not saying that these animals are children or anything. Yeah, I'm not comparing the animals to children, but I'm saying how if you would see a, a child and uh, you see other child, you know, children running around acting a fool and you see, uh, you know, a group, a group of kids that's, that's, you know, behaving themselves. And you're like, wow, those, you know, those kids are, you know, they're well behaved. You know, um, they're trained well. <laughs> but, you know, with the, with the animals, um, like I said, it's a, it's a totally different thing. It, it, you know, they're, they're totally treated, you know, inhumane. And, you know, like I said, thanks to, you know, PETA and, you know, some other groups, PETA was the main one that, that stood out and just said, hey, these, these animals are really, you know, for, you know, for that seal to learn how to play volleyball, you know, you know how much pain was inflicted on that, that seal? Uh, those elephants for them to stand on, you know, one another's back or you know whatever they have them doing, you know how how much you know pain and and so forth. And then the lion, you know the uh, the guy that tames the lion, you know how much pain that lion would have to go through. You know it is really you know it really has been you know unethical how it was allowed to you know continue, you know from all these years, and you know like I said thanks to some diligence. You know, we no longer have to, you know, see anything like that uh, in the name of entertainment because, for one, like I said, it, for me, it never was uh, entertaining to me uh, watching anything. Uh, you know, that, that that nature of as far as the uh, any of the animals that were performing. And even, you know, even the high wire act, that wasn't really that entertaining either, so... You know, uh, like I said, uh, it's a good thing that, uh, you know, there's been a change in that, in that direction as far as the uh, the uh, circus and, and the treatment of those animals there. And, you know, like I was saying with, you know, the whole uh, Six Feet and Roy Act where uh, they would have those animals doing, you know, stuff that, you know, like a, a, a bear riding a, 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 a unicycle and, things of that, that nature, I still, even with the with that picture in my head, I still don't find that entertaining. And, you know, what did that, that bear have to put up with before it learned how to ride a, a unicycle? You know, it just, um, and, and the people that watches, you know, watches the show, I, I'm not sure, you know, what, what part of the entertainment value they're getting. You know, as far as them watching, you know, such a such a thing. The uh, 
the guy putting his mouth in his head in the, the tiger's mouth. I really don't see the entertainment in that. Besides that the tiger was going to go tiger one day and just, you know, snap out one. I really didn't see the, uh, really don't see the entertainment value in that. And uh, thanks, thanks uh, everybody for joining us for the 630th episode of Purpose Kingdom Network. And if you want to join the conversation, it's 319-527-6091. You just hit one and we'll get you on the conversation. Okay, and um, as I was uh, mentioned about um, the uh, ethical, uh, I wasn't mentioning really Peter, but I was saying like the ethical, you know, treatment of animals. Um, there was a study, you know, years ago saying that um, depending on the animal, what, what kind of pain you inflict, that you're capable of inflicting that same kind of pain on, on people. And uh, most likely, you know, um, from what I read in the study, it's it's pretty accurate as far as uh, the capability of you know one person, you know, depending how you know how they, they torture you know animals or you know cats or, or dogs. And one of the you know I guess one of the reasons they think is by um, that they're stray cats or they're stray dogs and. Uh, by, you know, uh, killing them or maiming and, and destroying them, they're doing, you know, the population a favor, but they're not. Uh, what, what they're doing is they're, um, from what the, you know, from what the study is saying, is they're, uh, they're criminalizing or they're forming a criminalization and a justification of uh, hurting and inflicting pain on the animals and, you know, and, and other people. And, you know, from what they're saying is that uh, if it's a child that does it at an early age, uh, most likely that the child uh, will need professional help to, uh, to stop doing, you know, such things in the future. Uh, one of the things um, that has been, been noted uh, about uh, some of the serial killers and, um, you know, some of the... Uh, crazy people that happen to be um, locked up in society for uh, some of the oddest, weirdest, and some of the worst uh, parts of torture was uh, they would torture animals. And uh, they would torture um, animals and, you know, do experiment on bugs. Uh, those were the ones they, they found in uh, a study where it said that, you know, they were most likely, to, you know, if they uh, committed those acts or the ones that have committed that, those acts have committed, you know, horrific crimes against uh, animals and uh, and it seems to be, uh, you know, to them where it's a, a clear and apparent pattern that, uh, yes, uh, unchecked, uh, that child that, uh, you know, does torture, you know, small things can be um, a future uh you know, murder or torture or something like that. And uh, right now, um, at this time in the program, uh, we're going to do the call of salvation. And uh, the call of salvation is something that we do uh, every night here at Purpose Kingdom Network. And tonight I'm going to uh, give the call of salvation. And uh, the 
call of salvation is something that, uh, you know, you can do yourself or anybody can do. And you can do it many different ways. And, you know, one of the ways you can do it is, is you just exercise your voice and you can just um, seek out God earnestly. And what you can do is uh, say, that, say you know, if you want to, you can repeat to me and say, Dear God in heaven, I come to you. In the name of Jesus, I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner. And I am sorry for my sins and the life that I have lived. I need your forgiveness. I believe that your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary and died for my sins. And I am now willing to turn from my sin. You said in your holy word, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if we confess the Lord our God and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we shall be saved. Right now, I confess Jesus as Lord of my soul with my heart. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead this very moment. I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And according to his word, right now, I am saved. Thank you, Jesus, for your unlimited grace, which has saved me from my sins. I thank you, Jesus, for your grace. It never leads to license, but rather it always leads to repentance. Therefore, Lord Jesus, transform my life so that I may bring glory and honor to you alone and not to myself. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and giving me eternal life. Amen. You can say that and you can say, uh, say it in your own words, but uh, you said that you're saved. And uh, we hope you do the next step to find a Bible, believing, preaching, teaching church that can nurture in the word of Christ. If you can't find one um, right here, we have, we're a church without walls here at Purpose Camp Network. And we hope that you, you uh, continue to listen to us. And uh, we hope you find a church home. But until then, you, know, you can uh, rejoin us here and uh, at the 8 p.m. hour tomorrow for a little talk with Jesus. And that's going to be Evangelist Trina Harrison Lindsay. And that's going to be tomorrow evening at the 8 p.m. hour. Uh, now, if you want to correspond with us here at Purpose Kingdom Net, where you can correspond with us here at PurposeKingdomNet at gmail.com. Backslash. You can simply type in the show name or the host name, and you can listen to that show into its entirety at your own convenience. Uh, also, uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Purpose underscore Kingdom. Uh, we can listen to our, our shows. If you want to send any comments, questions, or concerns, you can uh, send them at PurposeKingdomNet at gmail.com. Um, and so you can also go to www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. And that's where you can uh, listen to the past and previous shows in this entirety. Uh, we thank you so much. And once again, with God's will and God's blessings, and uh, join us at the 8 p.m. hour tomorrow uh, with a little talk with Jesus, hosted by Evangelist Trina, Harrison, Lindsay. And that's going to be at the 8 p.m. hour. Okay, and that's it for the announcements. Uh, so right now we're just going to go ahead and wrap up the show. And um, talking about was, uh, was talking about the, you know, Peter and ethical treatment of animals and the disbandment of uh, Barnum Billy, whatever circus. And um, pretty much, it, you know, it was the about the ethical treatment of animals and how some people, when they uh, mistreat animals, they can uh, go on to uh, pretty much, you know, uh, you know, it just really turned into monsters of people. And uh, let's see, I have, uh, before we move on, I do have uh, 
or, you know, one more scripture, Romans 7, verse 18. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have desired to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. <clears throat> that is, uh, you know, one of the, uh, the scriptures that I'm going over uh, tonight. And the reason why I mention that is because for what it says for, I know that good in itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And you say, wow, that's somebody that's really pretty much the state that they just refuse to, they know that they're doing wrong, but uh, they just like refuse to, to acknowledge that uh, that they can change, but they're not, they're not going to change. And uh, I was kind of, you know, surprised at the statement because I'm like, wow. I was like, here's a statement that says, I'm, you know, I'm just not going to carry it out. Uh, you know, I know, I know, I know what it is for, for what it is, but I'm not carrying it out. And I said, wow, that, that's like a sad piece of, uh, of news. You know, imagine a family member, a friend stating that to you, you know, how would, how, how would you, hand, you know, would you, how would you handle that? Would you try to handle it? Would you try to help them out? Because it seems like that, like like that, a simple statement like that is a cry for help. And and some of the nature, you know, some of the, the the nature of us as people, we tend to, when it seems that we need to be hands on, we seem to back off and give people space when we should really be there to unite and help guide them to you know where they need to be at. Uh, a lot of times we just you know, uh, we try to let nature take its course. But sometimes, you know, um, nature doesn't need to be taking taking its course, but sometimes there needs to be a little bit of nurturement, you know, in, in there. You know, it needs to be a nice, healthy balance where we can interfere a little bit, but also, you know, help help guide and, and, and someone mold themselves into, you know, a better you know, a better place or a better spot where they need to be or they need to get to, you know, um, you know, all of, all of mankind, you know, are, are born to die, you know, life is eternal and there's no getting out of life alive, you know, have, you know, to just have, you know, along, you know, along the way, you know, a nurturing, a nurturing help or nurturing friendship, uh, that helps uh, knowing that you know along you know along the way of where you're where you're heading that you know you do have you know somebody in your corner somebody you know somebody by your side uh, somebody rooting for you helping you get to you know where where you got to get to comfortably. Uh, I just want to leave everyone with something before we, uh, before we uh, just uh, you know um, close out the show. And I just want everybody to know that the things you do today will make the the groundwork of what what you do for tomorrow, setting goals and preparations. Uh, you know, for for what you do today and how you pray tonight will help you accept for, you know, the visions of tomorrow. You know, are you just occupying space and time? You know, not 
just going forward, not looking forward, uh, not anticipating your next step, setting the front date, the foundation or centerpiece of, you know, of your life, of, of accepting, you know, in advance, the, you know, the abundance of what God is bestowing upon you, a lot of the blessings. Are you, are you anticipating those blessings or are you just saying, hey, if they come, they come? Are you really, you know, are you actually exercising the imagination that is given to you where you can perceive things that people cannot even see right now today? Can you openly just make, you know, you know, take your dreams for what they are? Can you actually make and picture your dreams being reality? You know, one of the things... Uh, and I've, I've stated before, is that a lot of the concepts that we have and we employ right now today, you know, if someone did not use the imagination, we wouldn't have them. As a matter of fact, can you imagine the person that's been, uh, you know, the laughing stock, and he says, hey, I'm going to invent the telegram, where I'm going to type a couple things on here, and a guy from all the way from across the country, he's going to be able to decipher that and deliver that message to somebody. Can you imagine how, what kind of laughing stock he was? But now, look at the technology today we have. We have cell phones. There was a, there's an older guy uh, that I was working with, and uh, he texted a younger guy. He didn't have the concept of the the, uh, the cell phone. He had no way of knowing what the cell phone actually did. The only thing he knew was that if he texted somebody, they would receive that text message. And he was talking to a younger guy, and he said, hey, I didn't get your text message. And he says, well, give it time. He said, I just sent it a couple minutes ago. And the guy says, well, well, still not here. He's looking at his phone. The guy says, what do you care? He's like, that message I sent, he said, you know how far that message got to go? He says, it's got to go way up in outer space. It's got to come back here. He was like, you should be happy. It's coming only a couple minutes. He's like, it, it should take a couple months. He's like, Wow, he's like, you got all this technology in here, and you don't know how to use it. And, you know, the young guy was looking at the, the old guy like he was crazy, and I was like, well, the old guy's got a point. You know, we got all this technology at our fingertips, and we expect everything to happen instantly. And it's like, do you really, you know, I was like, and, and then it dawned on me, this old guy actually thinks that, and in a sense it probably does, that his text message went up to outer space first and then came back down. Uh, to the guy's phone, and, you know, for the old guy, you know, and probably experienced a lot of things, you know, technology for him, he probably never even dreamed of it happening happen that fast or something happening with an instance. So to him, and I kind of totally understood what he said, is, you know, he said, hey, you should be happy even if you get that text message next month. And I can understand where if you send a letter off to somebody, and the fastest, you know, say from coast to coast is three days they'll receive it. You know, we thought that was a a, a modern miracle as far as uh, transportation and, and things arriving. You know, uh, three days was, was pretty much has been, and if anything, you know, from whatever anybody else is doing, three days seems to be about the, the, the you know, max amount of time they let something, you know, either get received or, or you know, just whatever's being shipped, three days seems to be, uh, the, the time limit and anything faster than that, you know, it's amazing. Or people are happy, and that's what kind of you know society we are right in right now. 
It's where um, we're not able to dream. We're not able to grasp, you know, what we have in our mind's eye and make it reality. But, with, you know, with a little help and encouragement, you know, I believe that, we, you know, we can all, you know, within ourselves, we can achieve that. It's just that we have to make sure that um, we have to be one of the, the people like the Wright brothers where, you know, the invention of flight. And if you could imagine if somebody went back in time and complained to them about, you know, air, you know, air travel now today, they might just say, hey, you know what? You guys are blaming us for everything. You know, you're talking about delays and lost baggage and stuff like that. You know what? We might as well even not even try to, to, to make this airplane. It sounds like it's too much too much of a problem. You know, you're talking about flight delays and sitting on a tarmac for 40 minutes. They was like, you know what? We just wanted to have fun. We just want to see if we can just fly. We didn't want to hear about all this. He was like, wow, you know what? To get this airplane stuff, sound like it's too much trouble. You know, if you ever, you ever just imagine the negativity that if placed at the wrong time, you know, how it could discourage somebody, it could discourage something that's just the, the you know, the whole thing of flight. Um, as always, uh, happy to broadcast here on Blog Talk Radio at Purpose Kingdom Network. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody, whether you're overseas or you're here domestically in the United States. We thank you for listening. Um, and once again, uh, thanks for joining us for the 630th episode of Purpose Kingdom Network, uh, whether you're online or on the phone. And uh, we thank you so much, and we hope you continue to listen to us. God bless everybody. Uh, with God's will, God bless them. I'll see you again. All right. Good night. Jesus bless. He raised me, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose. Set me free, I will not lose. Never wanna see you down, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose.